encouraging. Um, hey, everybody uh, who are watching online, uh, all of you in the room, it's so cool to see all of you uh, here in the room today. Um, I had four, uh, now five, uh, individual conversations with people this past week of people who have been watching with us online regularly. Um, and then uh, like uh, 30 minutes ago, I just met a new friend uh, back at the coffee who was, uh, came in and had pro tip for you. Um, bring your own coffee mug to Heartland because our cups are small, but you can bring whatever size, like, you know, big gulp you want. And my, my new friend was just filling up her, her big cup, which is great. I'm going to do that next week. But um, all of them have said to me this, we're so grateful for the online stream because it's allowed us to stay uh, connected in a moment when, when we've been absent, but we're starting to trickle back. And so can we just give it up for people who are just watching online, participating, coming back? It's so... It does my heart good just to hear the stories of impact that happens just through this, the stream and all of that stuff. So um, I just want to say cool, cool for that. Um, great. Let me shift gears. What, what's got you um, anxious today? What's got you um, worried? I, uh, I've read a couple stats recently about uh, anxiety, uh, worry in America, and all the stats tell me this. We're all worried. That's what the stats say. Uh, one out of five Americans struggles with some form of um, se severe anxiety. Uh, every person that I've talked to, I ask the question, what are you worried about? And they quickly give me an answer. I wonder, what are you worried about? What did you walk into this building worrying about today? It wasn't the KU game, although maybe you're worried about that. Uh, let me go first if I could offer what I'm worried about. Okay, can I, and this is a little bit of a vulnerable starting place for me. Is it okay that I share a little bit about my heart? Is that okay? Um, I, I, I worry about the news. Do you guys, do you guys feel that? It's specifically, I hear, it hasn't been a recent thing. It's not like a 2020 thing. It's not like a, I, I had a, my first child in 2013. And uh, ever since that moment, whenever I'd hear a news report, whatever it was, it doesn't matter if it was a global thing or not, I would just automatically worry about the present news that I was hearing and fast forward into the future and, and imply what type of world is my child going to grow up in. I, I worry about that. It doesn't have to be like war stuff or even like economic stuff. The other day I read an article about spiders. <laughs> Did you guys know that there's a new type of spider? And you've heard, you've read this article on the Atlantic coast. There's this spider that's, that's uh, using its own web to form a parachute and it flies. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's going, it's making its way, stay away from the coasts, come to Kansas for your vacations. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm reading this kind of intrigued by it, like, well, that's kind of crazy. And, and my mind floats to that, that scene where like an eagle swoops over a little dog and picks it up and flies away with it. <laughs> and I think, irrationally, so I think like, will a spider parachuting down from the sky pick up my five-year-old and take him away? Like, what type of world will my kids live in with, with, with murder hornets and parachuting spiders. <laughs> and I worry. Right now is a season where our high school seniors, and some of, some of you even have, uh, who are not high school seniors, but you just want to go back to school, you've applied to a college. And um, maybe you haven't heard yet. And your friends around you are hearing and you're starting to think about like what's going to happen. Your parents are starting to like put pressure upon you of like what are you going to do with your life? And you're, you can't do anything about it. The, the letter's already in the mail. You're waiting to hear back, just, but, but you worry. You worry. Some of you uh, run companies and you oversee departments and you work in a, 
a job that you've got some responsibility for and um, maybe your company is worrying you. You're worried about not losing ground in the market because of all the turmoil in the world today. And so maybe in 2020, you took a little bit of a breather in your life and you got a little bit of work-life balance, but today you find yourself working harder than ever and it's got you a little bit, it's got you a little bit worried. Or, um, you know, we're still living in a world that's got a pandemic and you just find yourself still worried. You just, you can't not worry. Well, I don't know what it is for you, but, but worry is, it, is, a, um, is an absolutely common experience for all of us. It can be tiring and exhausting. Uh, here's what I wanna say. Worry is the emotional equivalent of running a race and needing hydration. In fact, there's a word that's used in both the Bible and in our culture to describe this deep longing that comes out of us, this desire in, inside of us that is uh, trying to satisfy a desire that is presently unmet. There's some sort of present pain in this moment that's got us worried about the future. The word, this might come out of left field for you, but the word is thirst, thirst. And the back end of all of our worry is this thirst for some present pain to be alleviated, to, to have the future problems solved. You obviously know about physical thirst when it, your body's calling attention to the fact that you need some water, but there is a deeper thirst in our lives that I want to get to today. We, we know that there's a deeper thirst in our lives because we've all watched Gatorade commercials. <laughs> Gatorade entices athletes to quench their thirst. But their message isn't about electrolytes. Their message is really about that athlete that's really trying very hard. I mean, all of their commercials are about this driven athlete who is trying to excel in all areas of their game to get victory. They have, <clears throat> this is a good pun, ready for it? They have tapped into, whatever. It's a, it's a nerdy writing, preaching joke. They've tapped into athlete's desire for victory. I mean, Tom Brady just came out of retirement. Why? He's got a thirst for more. That's why. Thirst can describe, describe this driven mentality for us just to get more out of life. That's one way we thirst. The other extreme of that is actually completely on the opposite side. Uh, the internet has collectively dubbed, I guess that's all of us, we've dubbed people who are online, who are always posting selfies on the gram as desperate for validation. We've called these people thirsty. And that's actually the church appropriate version of how that word is used online. <laughs> Thirst means desperate for validation, wanting to know that I matter, wanting to know if other, other people see me. We can be driven and we can be desperate. Those are the two ranges of people who thirst. And, and here's what I believe is that you may be one of these two very obviously, but, but somewhere in the middle of all of this thirst spectrum is you and me and, and, and all of us. Because thirst is a universal experience. And here's a question for you. What are you thirsty for in your life? What, what quenches your thirst? What are you driven for? What satisfies that drive? What are you desperate for? What satisfies that need? This was the question that Jesus keyed in on when he made one of the most incredible invitations, one of the most incredible statements to anyone who has thirst. Here, here's what Jesus said. I'll just read it quickly. He said, let anyone who is thirsty, everybody say these last words with me, come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. 
On, the, on its face, it sounds like the kind and compassionate Jesus. Like Jesus is at a water hut along the side of a marathon offering anyone who needs a drink some refreshment. And certainly this is the great invitation of Jesus to anyone who needs satisfaction in their life. But often is with the case of Jesus, there's way more going on in this statement than just an invitation for you to get some water. To really understand it, I want to help us just get behind the statement of Jesus and see how it actually changes the way our desires and our worries and our fears about the future come to satisfaction. Here's, here's what we got to see. Um, I skipped over it, but... Um, John tells us that when Jesus said this thing, that it was the last and greatest day of the festival. Which festival? Well, um, the festival of booths is what it was. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to, come to me and drink. What you need to know is that, um, and stay with me because this will be really, really helpful for us. Uh, in, in Israel, there were a couple festivals that the people gathered together for. And this one was most like Thanksgiving meets Coachella. So, so the festival of booths was this harvest festival. It was a time for the people to gather together all that God had provided to them throughout the harvest. They, they'd go in this whole year growing, stockpiling, getting prepared for uh, the season where you wouldn't grow and getting food. And, and they would come together and God had told them, give thanks to me for what I've given to you. And so all the people would move into Jerusalem and bring their first offerings to Jerusalem. And they would, they would give God thanks. They'd say, thank you, God, for taking care of us. You've, you've provided all of our needs. I mean, this is what we do around the Thanksgiving dinner table. We, we throw a feast and we say, man, God's been good to us this year. This has been amazing. But they'd also bring like sticks to build huts. These, this, um, it sounds really lame and kind of like um, nerdy, but it was, it was legit sky mall quality glamping. Okay, uh, people would be very bougie about the ways that they would build their huts because they would live in these huts for seven days. And they would build them up and it was to remind them of the time that they wandered in the wilderness. Their ancestors wandered in the wilderness and God had always provided for them the food that they needed. They were worried about where they would be fed and God provided this thing that sustained them for decades. And so God said, go live in these booths to remind yourselves that once you were a wanderer and a sojourner, that I am the God who provides for all of your needs. So, so John tells us that it was the last and the greatest day of the festival. It was the seventh day of this festival. And why was it the greatest day? It was the greatest day because this was the day. This was the day when all of the people would gather around in, in, in almost quiet solitude, uh, not solitude, but quiet uh, 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 silence, right? And, and they would watch as the priest would carry out this ritual. It was a libation ceremony. They would go to this pool. They would get pitchers of water. They would bring them back to the altar where all the people would be watching. It would be a very solemn affair. They would walk around the altar seven times with this wa water. And then they would pour the water on top of this altar as a way to say, God, as we are flooding this altar with water, would you so flood our region with rain next year so we also might be blessed? God, would you take water, which we desperately can't control, and would you bring the rains of refreshing upon our land so that we can have a, a fruitful, bountiful harvest again next year so we can do this all again next year? And it's in this moment, this kind of, kind of quiet moment, if you think about our traditions, Christmas Eve in this room, holding a candle, singing Silent Night, it's in this moment, this, this quiet, reflective moment, that Jesus, look what he does. He stands and says in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. 
And whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. <laughs> so now you kind of see this is an awkward moment. <laughs> you kind of see like, the priests who are the professional religious people are all out there doing the thing to get God to bless them. And here's Jesus saying, I've got better water. I've got water that you won't have to do this again next year with. I've got water that will not only quench your fields, but revive your soul. Now I've got water that will stream from rivers into aqueducts and irrigate your fields of your life so that it would flow from, not outside of you, but from within you. This is the greatest invitation I think of Jesus to us today. And I want you to know that this invitation absolutely is for me and is for you. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Jesus obviously says this in the context then of a religious ceremony where people were worried about their future, worried about where their next meal would come from, worried about if God was watching over their efforts and their, their labors. Jesus says, if you're thirsty for the future, come to me and drink. I think this tells us something today. I think in the midst of this religious ceremony where Jesus looks at people and says, don't, don't, it's not about this religion, but, but come to me. And drink. I think it tells us something about the claims of other religions in our world. There's a lot of religions and a lot of ideas out of how to get nirvana or shalom or sadhana. Jesus identifies himself uniquely as the one who can satisfy our thirst. He sees the people asking God to help them and he says to them that, that, that I'm the only one who can help you because I'm from God. Help from God is already here. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's worries can be alleviated today through me. He says, if you drink the water I give you by faith, it shows you that God has already heard you. Come to me and drink. There's two invitations just in these uh, five words. There's the invitation to the presence of God in your life. Come to me, Jesus says. That, that God has bridge the gap between you and him and he's already come to you, would you just take a step towards, towards him? Would you receive him into your life? That's the second invitation, drink. Whenever you drink something, you're putting something else into your body so that it becomes a part of you. Jesus is looking at everyone else around him saying, let who I am become a part of you. Let my life be the one that swells up inside of you and gives you refreshment and nourishment and power and all that you need for your parched soul. He says all your traditions, all your superstitions, all your religions, they have a quenching effect. All your temptations, all your habits, all your uh, obsessions have a quenching effect temporarily. But his words, himself, will never let you be thirsty again. Come and drink. Believe who I am. And let me be a part of you. This isn't the first time that Jesus would have said these words. Just uh, three chapters earlier in John's writings, he records this story about Jesus encountering this woman who's from Samaria at this well. And it's a really kind of a fascinating story, but here's what Jesus tells to this woman. He says, uh, he, he's sitting by a well asking for a cup of water. And, and she says, well, you don't have anything to draw with. Uh, and and he, he says, well, if you would have known who I was, you could get water from me. And he says this. 
Everyone who drinks this water, this well water, this water that comes up from the ground that you actually physically ingest, they'll be thirsty again. Let me just ask the question, um, how many people expect to be thirsty uh, tomorrow if you don't drink any more water today? Yeah, okay, so Jesus' word's still true. (laughs) But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. He's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about that worry, that drive, that desperation, that fear. They'll never thirst again. Their insecurity will be turned to security. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Just a couple chapters after that in John chapter 6, Jesus uh, describes this belief in him and receiving from him as if we were actually ingesting Jesus. It's an uncomfortable thought for us, but it's a metaphor that Jesus is using for when what we drink giving us life. He wants us to see that his life and his death, his words and his work, his body and his spirit are all given for us who are thirsty for God. That there is something, there is someone who can satisfy the need that we often crave for. That to a world stuck in temporary fulfillment, Jesus was going to go die on a cross to have his body broken, his blood shed by the weight of our sins because by this act, he would be defeating the ultimate pain and anxieties of the present day, which were sin. And he would be defeating the ultimate fear of the future, which is death. And no one else could die for sin and no one else could defeat our enemy death. Only he had access to eternal satisfaction because he alone lives again. He has a different power, a different source of life than we do. So he says to us, I give it to you so that you may drink. And that by drinking, by believing in me, by letting me become a part of you, you might have with me eternal satisfaction. You know, this is a day and age of um, streams. We, We live today with a lot of streams. We try and get our thirst quenched from various streams. We try and alleviate the pain of today and the fears of tomorrow. Let me just name one, okay? Our, our revenue streams, our revenue streams. It's what, you, it's what we live, literally call it in business, is a revenue stream. Do you have enough revenue streams? Do you have enough you know, money coming in? Um, on a weekly basis, just to let, me, let you into my heart, I, I am tempted on a weekly basis and ways in which I can increase my revenue streams. And I'm a pastor. I don't know if you know this, not a lot of revenue streams available for pastors. <laughs> I'm not an NCAA tournament player. I'm not an athlete. I'm not a CEO, right? Like, but I, I look at the house across the street from mine and I go, it's on the market. Could I VRBO that thing? What would an extra $2,000 a month do for me? Would that help my kids? Would that put us in a better situation? How much time would that take? It wouldn't take too much time. We're terrible at counting the cost, aren't we? But, but often I'm tempted by this additional revenue stream. I'm, I'm tempted by like, what would it? Then here's my question for all of us who are tempted by additional revenue streams. Have those streams ever satisfied you? No. You know what I know about VRBO guys? 
there's always another property, isn't there? There's always another thing. There's not enough. There's always more. There's always more. There's always more. Our revenue streams have failed to satisfy us for as long as we've been a people. You just end up thirsty. I think about the, the endless stream on my phone of people. Do you know, you know the stream where you just, you end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through all these people? Social media streams of endless validation. You know, it feels good to be liked. I mean, like the thumbs up thing. It also feels good to like have a good friend. Um, that's a different story for a different day. But, but uh, what, I, what I've learned about social media is that um, when you're thirsty for water and you get a drink, your body actually signals a reward for that with a hit of dopamine. When you get a like on social media or a comment back to you in a positive sense or, or, or you have an interaction with someone or they slide into your DMs and you're like, oh my gosh, you also get the same hit of dopamine that you get from water. And some scientists have suggested that it's more akin to the dopamine effect that you get from cocaine than water. It feels good to have that stream satisfy you. But is there anyone willing to say that social media hasn't caused us to be more anxious in life? It is a frenetic world of constant temporal disappointment. It is a stream that doesn't satisfy. And as I was writing this, I was um, literally watching Disney Plus with my kids. Is there a better streaming analogy than Disney Plus? I mean, literally, we call it streaming entertainment. And a lot of us just are, are using it as a way to get fulfilled, as a way to just dive into a world of escape. It's an endless stream of anything you want in the world that you can put right on your TV. And, and Jesus holds out his hands and he says to us, you want satisfaction, you want something that's real in life, you want something that's like actually worth your life. I've got the stream for you. It's almost like Jesus is looking at Netflix and he's like, all of these are just derivative of the story that I want to tell through your life. All of these stories, all of these movies, all of these shows are just derivative stories about what I've come and I've conquered, about how I've restored and redeemed, about how I've brought the greatest love story to humanity. All of it is found not in a box, but in me. He's the better stream. He's the one who says to us, come to me and take me into you and learn from me and follow me and emulate me and I will turn your life into one incredible adventure that you never thought was possible. Okay, so that's all like, gosh, that's all like the first part. Come to me and drink. But notice what Jesus says next. He says, whoever, which I love, because he says, if anyone is thirsty, which means you and me are welcome to come and say, I'm thirsty, he says, whoever believes in me, which is good news for you and me because I can say, like, I, I believe in you, Jesus. Like, I'm that whoever. He says, as scripture has said, rivers of living water. And then watch this. This is incredible. I, I, um, last week, my friend Dexter was here. And uh, wasn't that fun to hear from Dexter? Yeah. I'm not Dexter. But he was here and he said that there was this thing that happened in his heart when he saw like the text came to life and he wanted to throw his computer across the room. And I was like, this was my moment of throwing my computer across the room. Rivers of living water. This is, here's what I want to show you. This is the first time, the only time 
that Jesus implies that what he gives to you will flow out of you. He says rivers of living water will flow from within them, which means that we can come and drink, but we can also overflow his life. We can overflow when we come to Jesus with his life. This is, um, this is, this is what it looks like. Uh, this past spring break, my family went down to Florida um, with everybody else in America. And one of the days, we kind of went to this off-the-beaten-path. My mother-in-law kind of knew of this off-the-beaten-path place called Silver Springs. It's, a, it's I guess, near Ocala. And um, it's, a, it's this place where a lot of movies have been filmed. Uh, Creature of the Last uh, Black Lagoon was filmed there. A bunch of, like, uh, documentaries were filmed there. And, and, and so we got there, and we were going to take this boat tour around this place. And I was like, I like boats. I like being on the water. That's kind of fun. And, um, and, and we had to wait in line for a little bit. So uh, while we're waiting, we're just walking around this property. It's this big state park. And we're walking around this like elevated deck thing and there are uh, pictures or, or like um, little placards talking about the monkeys that are living in the trees. I was like, this is Florida. There are, I didn't know, do you know there's monkeys in Florida? I didn't know there was monkeys in Florida, but they're, they're there in Silver Springs. And um, there's, you know, the most perfectly clear water beneath your feet. It feels like a trick. It feels like Walt Disney came in and was kind of like, hey, let me just build this natural spring and everyone will be amazed. And it's the most pure water. And you can literally see the turtles going along and you can see the fish darting along and you can see the alligators going along. Had we been there a week earlier, we would have seen the manatees sort of swimming through there, eating all of the kelp and all that stuff. They were walking around and I was just kind of looking around at Kristen like, where are we right now? This is insane. And I, I just kind of looked at the, at the area and thought like, this is, this is lush. This is amazing. This is cool. And then we got on the boat. And I didn't realize this, but the boat was, um, it had a, it, they had cut out the bottom of the boat and they had welded in like plexiglass <laughs> underneath it so that you could see down into the water. And so we've floated out. Have you guys done this? Anybody ever? No one's ever done this. Okay, just my weird family vacation. Okay, great. So, so we get out and, and we come to find out there's something like, you know, 50 natural springs in this area. And the boat tour is going to just go visit them. And we get to a spring and we see down 50 feet below the surface of the water. And we start to see this area where like water is coming out of a split rock. And I look at Kristen, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, we go to the next one. This is literally the place where the creature from the Black Lagoon came out of the water, right, right there. And um, we see that. And then the, the tour ends, explaining to us all the vegetation, all of the, the, the life that's in this park. The tour ends on top of this one certain spring. And the, the tour guide told us, this one certain spring, if you've got a pool in your backyard that holds, you know, somewhere between 20 and 50,000 gallons, those are pretty big pools. He said, this one spring produces enough water to fill that one swimming pool in 11 seconds. Now, I'm going to leave a hose on a little bit later in the month to fill my pool. It's going to take me a couple days. And, and, and this one spring puts out so much water 
per hour that it is the bulkhead. It is the source of all of the water that you see around it. It's gushing so much pure water and it's so fast. The current is coming out so fast and it's so far down. It's something like 65 feet down and, and we're hovering over it and it kind of looks like there's nothing moving. And yet we see little bits of rock jetting away from the stream as it is coming up. And it's so powerful that it is actually moving all of the water from the point where our boat was hovering downstream for miles and miles and miles until it empties into the Gulf of Mexico. From one stream floats so much water that, that, that you could actually, it was so pure, the, the water moving so fast created a purity to the water that you could scoop your hand in it and drink it. That's how pure it was. And this is the picture of what Jesus says happens in your life when you come to him. Is that you receive from him, but you also become a spring of water that wells up to eternal life. And from your life comes rivers of living water. Rivers. One spring produces rivers. Your life producing flourishing and, and, and a quenching of other people's thirst all around you to the glory of God. Your life becoming so different and so changed that, that the change inside of you becomes bubbling up inside of you that it flows over through you out to other people so that all around you are, 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 are the most amazing flourishing environments. That what God wants to do in you is to help you be satisfied. But he, what he wants to do through you is to bring heaven back to earth. To, to bring paradise and peace all around you to the people near you. This is the actual invitation of Jesus. It's not just for you to stop feeling anxious, but for you to actually be fruitful and productive. That whole entire prayer that they were praying as they poured the water over the altar of God, would you help us have rain so that we could be productive? Jesus said, no, no, no. It doesn't come from above. It comes from God getting into you and then coming through you. He says, this world will be watered by my spirit through my people. I don't know if you're new to church. This kind of sounds new agey. Maybe you don't like church because it's filled with all these people that don't actually do the things that church says that you're supposed to do, hypocrites. But my experience of church over the years that I've been a part of it is that, yeah, we've got some, some, some problems with life. We're people. But there are so many people who I see in churches, especially here in Heartland, who have drank from Jesus and are having rivers of living water extend through their lives. And this week, I mean, I don't have any time left and I just want to tell you one story. I could have, I could have picked seven different people to talk about at this moment, but, but right now I want to tell you about my friend Christy. Uh, Christy Clare went home to be with the Lord back at the early weeks of um, February. We just had her celebration of life service here uh, just a couple days ago. Um, how many people knew Christy in Heartland? Yeah, Christy had been around Heartland for uh, a long time. Christy was the type of person who um, you, you, you were around her and you felt like you knew Jesus better because of being with her. For years, Christy had felt the effects of cancer upon her body. When I met Christy, being new here to Heartland myself, she was already in the late stages of the cancer that would eventually take her life. But Christy had determined not to let this diagnosis and not to let this disease ruin her attitude to help bring life to other people. And so uh, 
Christy would go out of her way to give to people who were in need, to find places for them to live. Out of her abundance of life, of what she had met with Jesus and how Jesus had changed her life, she decided that she was going to be a giving person who, who would help other people. And she took her cancer diagnosis and she made the most out of it. I took a picture with Christy uh, back in December on the other side of our big green wall in the auditorium is a big warehouse space. And we were sorting out all the gifts that you had brought uh, for our uh, Gifts from the Heart Christmas drive. And Christy had run that Gifts from the Heart program for a very long time. Did you know that? Christy's heart was for no kid to not have a gift to open on Christmas Day. And I can't think about the rivers of living water that came up out of this woman because she drank from Jesus. I pray that I could be like Christy. You know, like I pray that, that, that the water Jesus gives me is so refreshing to me and so, so forceful. I, wanna, I want the spirit to be moving in my life where, where it's filling, filling pools at an incredible rate, right? Like, like, like the, the spirit just gushes out so that other people's lives are made better because of me, because of Jesus through me. And this is the invitation for all of us. This is the invitation for you watching online. Are, are you worried? Are you anxious? Are you thirsty? Does your soul crave something deeper that you haven't found yet? Have you come to Jesus? And have you taken him to be a part of your life? If you haven't, I want to help you do that right here right now. You can just bow your heads and pray with me as we close this out. You just say this to God. You say, God, I today come to you. I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that he died on the cross so that by his work, I could be saved. And I believe that you love me so much and you have such a great desire for me to experience eternal life that you raised Jesus from the dead so that I could experience life in him. But now, God, I, feel, I realize that life is not about me. It's not about my satisfaction. It's about me being a conduit and a channel, a stream for other people to flourish. So God, would you help me flourish? Help me be your hands and your feet. Help me to know who you are. Help your living water flow through my life so that others might truly live.